Hi everyone, welcome to High in the Sky, Cosmos with Cosmos is High in the Sky, where we take a look at the night sky, see what's up there, see what's up in the sky. Ah. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, so uh, High in the Sky is where we actually uh, do talk about what's up in the night sky, what you can actually see uh, after sunset and right before the sun rises. We talk about um, various events going on, news and events that are happening. Um, and like our regular show, you can follow us on all the things. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Instagram, Twitter. Twitch, obviously. Twitch. I mean, that's you can it. follow us yeah. in day to day lives, like become friends with us. Yeah, that's true. That'd be cool. We could always use friends. At least I can. All right. So, with uh, High in the Sky, along with our regular podcast, um, we have rules, though we are adding a rule this time. <laughs> uh, our rules are uh, as always um, if a dog barks, take a drink. Um, if there is a Star Wars reference, take a drink. Um, if there is a Lord of the Rings reference, take a drink. And um, <laughs> if there is a uh, any kind of coronavirus thing, a cough, a sneeze, or whatever. No, sneezing is not a symptom. So if you cough. Oh, uh, if you cough. If you cough. Have a drink. Well, have a drink. I guess in very rare instances, if you happen to get diarrhea, take a drink. There you go. Uh, Hopefully we don't have that in the middle of our show, though. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> Hopefully none of us have that in the middle of the show. <laughs> no. I really hope none of us no. have it. Um, I'll be a mad dash. <laughs> All right. So why don't we uh, jump into astronomy news and events? Yeah. What's going week? What's going on? And uh, this, this episode is taking care of basically the 22nd of March through the 1st of April. It's 4th of April. Yep. Uh, so that's... Uh, yeah. What's happening? <laughs> All right. So um, in the news. Oh, you should introduce that in the old-timey old timey voice. <clears throat> Can you do it? I don't know. Can you do now it on I'm the fly? On, now I'm on the spot. And in the astronomy news of the week, <laughs> for the dates of March 22nd to April 4th. <laughs> Take it away, Mike. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Oh, that was beautiful. so good. Especially since it was on the spot. I want I want you to like one of those wear, wear those uh, old newspaper hats with like the yeah, press and it has in like it. the yeah. thing in the and it has like the little piece of paper that's like in like the brim or whatever. Yes. That's like I don't know why that's there. I don't know what it is. All right. So well, we have a week, two weeks. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so in the news, um, there is an exoplanet where it rains molten, uh, like iron rains iron. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. That sounds heavy. For, yeah, for that planet. Live there. Yeah, it is uh, Wasp seventy six B, and it is uh, six hundred forty light years away in the constellation of Pisces. Um, it was discovered by the European Southern Observatory's very large telescope, also known as VLT. Of course. Which makes me think of a VLT sandwich. Mm. But so um, this uh, this planet is. Tidally locked, so the same side of the planet always faces the star, and it's just it's very close, very whipping around the star. Um, on the day side, it's um, it's about two thousand four hundred degrees Celsius. So I'll let somebody actually look Put that, that up. American. I'll let them look it up <laughs> for uh, quote unquote American, <laughs> um, which is uh, and the radiation that the day side receives is like thousands of times what like we receive from the sun. So mm -hmm. um, the it's such strong radiation that it rips apart molecules <laughs> into individual atoms. That's a bad sunburn. Yes. And <laughs> since it is tidally locked, you have the day side receiving all this energy from the star. And then you have the night side. It's perpetually in night. Um, and so it creates these really strong winds that uh, drive those uh, molecules, I mean, those those atoms to the other side where it is only 1,500 degrees Celsius. <laughs> oh so 1,000 degrees cooler wow. Celsius-wise. And it, it's able to condense and rain down onto the surface. Wait, so does it only rain on the night side? Yep. Yep. And mm -hmm. what is really cool is they're able to look at the um, the evening side of the planet and the morning side and in the evening side, they see um, this iron vapor, uh -huh. which is missing on the morning side. So 
from that, they're able to figure out that this iron vapor goes onto the other side, condenses in. Hmm. That's insane. It is. It is really God, insane. I want to see what that looks like from a distance. <laughs> well, yeah, not in person, like on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, to me that that was the coolest news. Um, yeah, that's pretty uh, awesome. That would be a good galaxy of four. Guys, I'm sorry. <coughs> oh my god, you did that on purpose. I didn't. I swear to God. Infected. I've been suppressing that for a while now. We are in an infection movie. Hashtag 28 days later. Yeah, the world is crazy right now. <laughs> We're not as crazy as raining molten iron. Hallelujah, yeah, but it's raining molten iron. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, part of me thinks that's probably a better place to be right now. <laughs> so Maybe. Um, all right, so um, in other astronomy news, um, there is a star that uh, is, is pulsating, um, so it gets brighter and dimmer, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, okay. but it's only on one spot of the star. So this was actually something that was hypothesized uh, back in the 1980s, and it took them 40 years to find this damn thing. Um, and astronomers actually did not even find it, but um, it goes by the ever sexy name. Oh, always. Always. Always oh. these sexy space names. Man, it's sexy. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Liz had her like old timey newspaper voice. Mike, can you do like your sexy voice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I make it the a... most sensual <laughs> Like a Mike dipped in chocolate, ready you to go. You can do it. <laughs> Oh, God, I can't deep, do that. Get that deep baritone going. <laughs> HD 74423. Oh, mm. my. Mm. Oh, I'm getting the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need a fan. Oh, it's culture hour time. <laughs> anyway, 1,500 light years away. It's about 1.7 times the, uh, the mass of the sun. Um. It is actually it's a rare star. It is um, so in a, in astronomy you have um, you have hydrogen and helium, and then everything else is considered a metal. Yeah. Um, and so this is a metal poor star, so it's mainly hydrogen and helium. So you aren't getting a lot of oxygen, silicon, carbon, that type of stuff in it. Um, so it's a very rare star, but it only pulsates on one part. There's only one part of the star that's pretty bright. And um, that is uh, because it is a binary. It's pretty close binary. These two stars whip around each other in only two days. And the second star actually warps the pulsating star into egg shape. Mm. Oh, cool. And um, so it uh, has a little bright spot. So as it rotates, we see it, that bright spot come around. And that's that's its pulsating. Oh wait, what, what kind of star is it? Is it? It's like a main sequence star. It's a main sequence star, a, yeah. Okay, so it's just a just a weird star. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really get into why it would be um, metal poor, because the first thing that would pop into my head it would be this is a very old star, mm -hmm. first generation star, because that's when the universe really only had hydrogen and helium, didn't have any yeah. any metals that which are produced in um, in in the interiors of massive stars and those stars explode or fluff off their outer atmospheres and seed the universe with uh, uh, with those metals. And so um, it didn't really give an age for this star. Hmm. Um, the companion star is a red dwarf. So these two really could be old, old Just, first generation wow. stars. Um. Okay. Yeah. So. Cool. So there's that. Awesome. Oh, it was also discovered. It was actually discovered by amateur astronomers. It wasn't even discovered by astronomers. It was discovered by an amateur astronomer going through um, the test data, looking for exoplanets. Look at that. Yep. So see. Citizen science, folks. You can you can discover new shit out there in the in the universe. I do love tests. All right. So um, and finally in the news. The best measurement of a neutron star size. Um, they were looking at um, uh, the neutron star merger of GW170817. Damn. Damn. Fuck me, man. I need to borrow a cigarette. Woo. 
All right, so this was a neutron star merger, um, and they looked at it through, uh, of course, with gravitational waves. Um, and using that data, they found that the typical radius of a neutron star is about 11 kilometers, which is 6.8 miles. Okay. So think about that. A, a star that has a diameter of just a little over 13 miles. That's... That's it. It's so small. Yeah. You could put a couple of these between our house and Salt yeah. Lake City. So, um, yeah. So, that is uh, um, the typical size. And they found that um, uh, they were looking at these and they found that um, uh, when a black hole usually swallows a neutron star, it swallows the motherfucker whole. Just oh. one big yep. swallow. Yep. Yep. So it will swallow it whole unless it's, a, it's unless it's a pretty small black hole uh-huh. uh, or it's rotating very fast. Then it which they do. Out. Well, then it will it'll start ripping them apart. But yeah, all right. So it swallows <laughs> them whole, um, and which means that they are pretty invisible in electromagnetic magnetic radiation. So light. Um, because it's being swallowed whole, it's not being ripped apart, which would generate oh. electromagnetic radiation. An invisible star. Yeah, yeah. And so, really, truly, the only way that we're able to uh, discover them is through gravitational waves. Wow, that's amazing. Yep, that's really cool. Yep. And luckily, we have gravitational wave detectors. LIGO that can can discover that shit. It's amazing because you know, as technology advances, then the more we learn. So we got to get better and better technology. We do. Yeah. We do. Cool. I bet you Virgo is offline now. Virgo's in Italy. Oh no. Yeah, I I mean, I did not even just. I just thought about that. Oh. Yeah. Oh well. So weirdly, we just have LIGO. Thank you, Mike, for the Astronomy Events of the Week. And now to Brandon for Rocket Launches of the Week. Take it away, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. <laughs> I am so excited to have that be a recurring theme every single episode. <laughs> you have no idea. You can do it. But can do in it. any case, um, March, or March 23rd. That sounded about right mm-hmm. for next week. Yeah, yeah. March twenty third. Yeah. Oh, we have two launches on Monday. Uh, the first one is by Astra Space. They're a little private company. They're just doing a test launch. And then ap- mm. after that, we have Liz's favorite, Arian Space, with the Vega so rocket. Bad. Why? Yeah, they uh, Why European did over they there. Think that was good. Uh, but this is kind of interesting. <laughs> they're doing a small spacecraft service mission. Uh, this is the first time they're doing it, so it's like a test. Uh, so instead of having one giant satellite and a couple of ride chairs beneath it, uh, this entire mission is dedicated to these small satellites. Uh, so overall, we have 40 satellites going up there on this ride chair. It's kind of neat. Giving the little guys a shot. Yeah. Just yep. by themselves. I like it. I'm assuming it's not like a, a certain reduced funding for these individual satellites. So cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to March 26th, it's a busy week next week. We have two more launches. The first one is ULA, United Launch Alliance, down in Florida. They're launching the Atlas V rockets. And this is the Advanced Extremely High Frequency Satellite for the U.S. Air Force. And that's fancy for communication satellite. And m- okay. But you put it in air quotes. Right. Communication mo- yeah. satellite. Yeah, most of the time uh, with military satellites it's communications because honestly you got to communicate a lot but it's also like a catch-all for any kind of satellite mm. like this satellite's gonna do some really cool spy stuff we'll call it communication satellite yeah cool i thanks. mean they're all technically communication satellites because they all communicate oh. back to the ground yeah, that's clever that's the catch-all right there yeah <laughs> death yep, star yep. Uh, no nah, communication satellite Oh, that's a drink. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Communication station. station. Star, Star Wars reference. Wait, that's not the... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a okay. drink. Yeah, we'll do it. We got two drinks. Uh, the second launch of that day, this is the one to get excited about. Uh, this is from a company called Rocket Lab. They are also a small rocket, small satellite company. Uh, they've been doing some really cool things down in New Zealand. Yeah, they can launch rockets from New Zealand. Middle Earth. Yeah, they have a pad out in California, I believe, and in New Zealand. 
Uh, hobbits got rockets. Strength. We're taking the hobbits, hobbits. to Jupiter. To Jupiter. <laughs> but uh, actually, the electron rocket, which it's called, cannot get to Jupiter. It's us again, a small rocket that can only get small payloads mm. to a uh, low Earth orbit. Uh, however, this mission is called "Don't Stop Me Now." That's great. <laughs> so now automatically, I have Queen I, in my. I head. hope they like when they launch that through like their like speakers. Like massive loudspeakers, they play that song while they're And you just have like all the engineers in the flight control room just like montaging it to Queen. Yes. 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 Uh, But the Electron will be hoisting, I think, four satellites up there. Uh, One for Boston University and NASA. Uh, Oh, sorry. Three for the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, here in the United States. And I have in parentheses, neat logo, because go Google NRO logo. Um, it's freaky, because first of all, it's a U.S. spy agency uh, that was classified oh. till the 80s. Uh, but its logo wow. is literally an octopus eating the world. That sounds very uh, a Hydra from yes. Agents uh-huh. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yes. But this was before Hydra. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this was a logo like, even in the 60s before they were out in the world, as it were. That sounds like some, like, uh, I don't know, like, political cartoon from, like, the 40s or 50s. Oh, it totally is. It's, it's great. <laughs> wow. Uh, so they have three satellites going up there, and the last one's from Australia. So good to see okay. New Zealand and Australia putting their differences aside. Good day, mate. Oh. Nope. No? Nope. Good day, mate. Throw mm-hmm. some shrimp of the bobby. Oh. No? Nope. It, it's a totally nope. different accent. So, for example, Australia's like, where's the car? And then New Zealand's like, where's the car? It's completely different. <laughs> so different. God, now we just got New Zealand really hating it. Uh, all six of them. Anyway, what else we got, Brie? Well, on the next Monday, March 30th, we again have a SpaceX rocket, Falcon 9. And this will be launching from Florida with an Argentinian Ooh. observational satellite. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this okay. one is their first geosynchronous satellite, the Ar- Argentina. Uh, so they'll be checking out what's going on in their lands. Uh, lots of ocean, um, oceanography as well. So, good. Yeah. And then uh, really quick as a wrap-up, sometime in March-ish, we don't really know how a date for these because China's terrible with communication. Uh, China's <laughs> launching the Long March rocket sometime. Um, with some, in March. Yeah, okay. with March. With some kind of payload, probably a communications payload. I don't know. Uh, the Chinese company called X-Space will be launching their... Kazoo 1A rocket as well. So that's always exciting when you have a new company venturing out there in space. And speaking of new companies, we have Astra Space launching their rocket 3.0. So rocket for the third time. Hopefully this one works. Okay, so the first two clearly didn't. <laughs> nope. 1.0 and 2.0. No. No. But 3.0. 3. 0. Third time's a charm. Third time is a charm. Here we go. Cool. X-Pace sounds like it's just such a weird name. But... Whatever. I'm sure it means something. Yeah. Well, you know, good luck. Good luck. Good to luck, you. China. X space and everybody. I felt like you were wishing me good luck, and I just I was really there for it. I got kind of warmed good up. Good luck, Brandon. Thank you. We wish you good luck too. We, good luck on your interview. We wish good you luck good luck life. every day. Yeah. You know. Anyway, let's get into what we can see in the sky after sunset. Woo! So. We still have uh, Venus setting in the west after sunset. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, later on I'll, I'll talk about it, but it's, um, it's uh, again, very bright <laughs> setting in the west. Can't miss it. It'll be the brightest object in the western part of the sky after sunset. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And so um, constellations-wise, we still have Orion and, mm-hmm. and Leo that um, mm-hmm. are up, but Orion is actually getting a little bit lower each yep. and every night. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's starting to set earlier in the west. Um, and as we mentioned last time, uh, Leo is rising in the rising east. Rising in the east, backwards question mark. That's all you need to look for. Backwards, backwards question, question mark, mark followed by a small triangle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so... Um, Actually, one of the few things looks like what it's supposed to. And then the Big and Little Dipper. You can use the Big Dipper to find the North Star. But if you use the handle of the Big Dipper, you can find a bright star called Arcturus. Uh, Arcturus is the brightest star in a constellation called 
Boaties. Boaties is the bear herdsman. So, um, Mark Taurus is a red super giant, which means it's dying. It's dying. It's going goodbye. It's going to go goodbye. It's running out of fuel, running out of energy. Yep. Um, it is the fourth brightest star in the night sky. It's 7.1 billion years old. It is 36.7 light years away. And as I mentioned, you can use the handle of the Big Dipper to arc to Arcturus. Oh, ah, clever. Yep. Yes. And if you wanted to keep going, you can spike on the Spica. Hey, yep. Spica in the constellation of Virgo. Am I just taking a drink there? So sorry, <laughs> I tried to make it quick. I I, I thought there was going to be more. Virgo's not up yet until later in the evening, though. Right. So you'll have to stay up a little bit later to catch. And Virgo is a very dim constellation, so really you're not going to be able to just really find it that's where like a like a google sky maps or an app can help you point it out um but yeah yeah so um as far as uh deep sky objects in boaties um there's a few galaxies spiral mm-hmm. galaxies mm-hmm. that are that are up there but um um but yeah it is a constellation that when we lived in phoenix i hated to see um, that means summer's on its way. Summer is on its spring. way. It's just going to get hotter. Yep. Um, so here in Salt Lake City, eh, whatever. But, so Boaties is a man, which we'll get into later, uh, but it can also look like an ice cream cone. An ice cream cone. Yeah. Yes. It does. also looks like a kite. Yeah. It can, it can look like whatever you want it to be, but, you know. Well, later on in the episode, uh, we've, we've, we will finish out the episode with, with a constellation story, and that will be about Boaties. So we'll talk a little bit more about his, his origins in a couple different cultures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually some confusion in one of those cultures, but we'll get to it. Yeah, okay. We'll get to it. <laughs> Stay <laughs> tuned, everyone, <laughs> for our constellation story on Boaties. <laughs> now, now we're just gonna have it all, all just, episode, aren't we? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So, um, so that's the main, that's the main constellation, the springtime constellation mm-hmm. um, that is starting to make an appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in our three episodes, we've talked about Orion, Leo, and, and Boaties, or Booties, if you want to be Booties, uh, Booties, Booties, Cute Booties. <laughs> <laughs> Like in a kid show. Yeah, we're going to call it booties. Booties. Let's take a look at booties. You guys want to see booties? <laughs> I like big booties that I can't out. <laughs> oh. Events. Let's get to the evening events of uh, the what's going on. Um, there are there are a few of them. There's a few. Um, I mean, there's, there's more, but these are kind of like some notable ones that are yeah. fun. So what's going on with Jupiter? Uh, so on Tuesday, March 24th, there's going to be a double shadow transit. Oh, that's cool. What, 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 cool. what time, Liz? That's going to be from 1937 to 2153 GMT. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> Universal Time. So Google uh, Universal Time. Uh, uh, it's, it's the time in Greenwich, England. <laughs> Calculator. <laughs> We're like what UTC minus five. I want to say no minus seven. I think is that oh time zones for so well okay actually okay, you might well well thing. okay so if you if if you're in the U S you don't you don't need to worry about it really it's going to be um, essentially if you live in China Southeast Asia or Australia Australia you can see basically um, shadows of uh, two of Jupiter's moons pass across its surface. Uh, now, you can't see this with just your eyeballs. You're going to need, um, at the very least, binoculars, I would say, probably um, eh, telescope, like a cheapy telescope. Uh, yeah. You'll probably see it. You'll see um, Io's shadow and Ganymede's larger shadow um, in transit. Um, and so it'll take 136 minutes, basically, for those shadows of the moons to to uh to transit across the uh surface of, of, of jupiter. jupiter 
But just just so you know, if you do happen to be in like Australia or New Zealand, maybe you're preparing for a rocket launch next week. It's really cool to see through a telescope. Any, I definitely recommend uh, viewing Jupiter through a telescope at any time yeah. that it is up at night because it's definitely an amazing sight to see. Truly is. Um, it's awesome. I'm, oh wait. So the next thing, I'm, yes, I'm going to take us on a slight tangent. I apologize. Yo, go for uh, it because we're we're all about our tangents. What's, what's the first thing you remember seeing through a telescope? Saturn. Saturn. Ooh. Ooh. Saturn because I had received for I don't know if it was my birthday or. Uh, Christmas or something, uh, a uh, Celestron, little Celestron, Chibi Celestron telescope, which is actually in the corner of our office right now over there. You can't see it uh, in the camera. It has a monkey um, on it. It has a monkey on it, a NASA monkey. And uh, so I set it up. And the first thing that um, the first planet that I saw, I uh, was able to see was Saturn. And it was amazing because I could see the rings, which looked fake. It looked fake. Like, it looked like somebody took a picture of Saturn and just taped it to the end, and that's what I was looking at, and it was amazing. And so I, I called out my ex-in-laws, and um, they came out and checked it out, and it was it was amazing. Um, yeah. How about you, Brandon? Um, so I have vague memories of seeing the moon, I guess, but mm-hmm. the first mm. ones I really remember, number one is Orion's Nebula. <clears throat> mm. But um, that's oh, a drink. I'm sorry. Drink. That's a, that, that was a cough. Yeah, so the first one that I really remember is Orion's Nebula, and this was in my astronomy class in college. It took a while to get up there, uh, but this was literally in the middle of Phoenix, so it was kind of like, you can kind of see some coloration in the sky there. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I got you. Uh, but then the first real one I distinctly remember is seeing Saturn pop for the first time. And as yeah. I was just kind of playing around with the telescope, and I just accidentally happened upon Saturn, and I was like, Oh my God! Look at this! I just remember jumping up and down and keep going back to it because it just looked so imaginarily perfect. It does. It's really oh, yeah. Amazing. So for me, um, it it is it, three things. It was the moon, mm-hmm. um, and uh, through a big sixteen-inch telescope mm-hmm. at the Melton Observatory. At the University of South Carolina, so even though it was in the middle of the city, um, we could we could see some uh, really cool stuff with it, um, and basically we we had it on the moon, and we turned the drive off, and so basically the moon passed in front of us, and it was because it was such a close um, field of view, uh, tight field of view. It really felt like I was flying over the surface of the moon. It was. So even though it was simply the moon, Mm -hmm. um, it was this really cool experience of being able to, quote unquote, fly over the surface of the moon. How bright was that? 16-inch telescope and Uh, the moon? Uh, how bright? Yeah, because I know when I have my little 8-inch telescope, it blinds A A moon filter? Yeah, we had a moon filter on Mm -hmm. there. Um, And, um, of course, Saturn. Also through the 16-inch, uh, all of this is through the Melton Observatory Telescope. Um, and uh, um, Saturn was just in- incredible. Mm-hmm. And you, you have, I had the same feeling you did, yeah. where it just seemed like um, it just wasn't real. Yeah. It was like somebody put a Hubble picture yeah. up. And then the third thing was, um, was a comet. Ooh. So... Um, we, uh, I say we, it was um, a professor at the time uh, at the University of South Carolina, or he was working on his PhD or something there. Uh, I'm, I can't remember. Dr. Tim Slater. Dr. Tim Slater. Slater. Um, and so he, um, he and I was like, hey, the observatory have a photometer. Let's, um, let's use the photometer to look at the telescope. And so what we were going to do was we were thwarted by clouds, but the first night was incredible in that we saw the comet. But then what we were going to do was we were going to take um, photometric readings of the comet to get its rotation, but also see if we could get its rotation. But then we were also going to uh, 
turn off the drive. And so we would, in essence, take slices of the comet to get an idea of where the brightness was and, and how the brightness Man, changed. So you were actually doing science. I know, you were doing we're fancy doing I'm just like, look at Saturn, we're it's science. pretty. We're just like, oh my gosh, look. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, no, we were actually doing science with it, uh, but we were thwarted by the clouds, so we couldn't get we couldn't get solid data. Astronomers, arch nemesis. Yes, and we showed up the every fucking night um, to um, to get try to get the data, and we got we got maybe three nights of data, and that was it. Wow. Um, but uh, but Jack said, uh, was it Halley's comet? And so that was in the eighties. Uh, Halley's comet and uh, the Ring Nebula. Nice. Ring I do nebula. love the Ring Nebula. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a good one. The Andromeda Galaxy, that's yeah. um, a really cool site. So that's that'll be up in the fall um, with the constellation Andromeda. Uh, <laughs> fancy that. <laughs> um, and it and even from like the downtown city lights of Phoenix, um, when I had observed it, you could see it. It just looked like this faint little smudge. Cloud. The smudge. Right, yeah, right. We have the, the brightest center, mm-hmm. and then you you get the little smudge out from there. Yeah, and it was uh, like that's an entire fucking galaxy bigger than ours that I'm looking at, and it's heading towards us right now, folks. Oh, dun, dun, dun. So coronavirus is not going to get us. It's the Andromeda galaxy. Andromeda will. <laughs> no, we're just going to merge and become one. I, I can just imagine in a symbiotic relationship. I can just imagine looking in Andromeda for you know two. Uh, Billion and a half years, and just hearing Jaws theme on loop for a billion and a half years. <laughs> da-na, da-na, just da-na. that. It's <laughs> great. Oh God, I wish I was there. I wish I could be there. Photoshop a, sh- a shark fin on. Somebody on has a seven-day trial. I got it. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, but actually, uh, the Andromeda galaxy in our sky is bigger than the full moon. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that it's it so really diffuse. And so, well, it's also very diffuse. Yeah. And so. so so, basically what we're saying is that if you have the chance to go, uh, if you have a telescope, binoculars, or a chance to go to like a star party that may be hosted somewhere near where you In live. In like a month or two. Uh, go for it. Go for it. Check it out and, and get a, you know, a, a better look at the shit that's out there in the universe than what your eyes can just normally see on their own. That's what we all recommend. Yes. Yeah. Go experience the universe. Experience the universe. Anyway, continuing on, we have one more thing going on this month that we want to point out, and that's just on Sunday, March 29th in the evening. Um, There will be a crescent moon, uh, but that crescent moon will be over the Hyades cluster. Oh, nice. Star cluster. Located in the constellation of Taurus the Bull. So Taurus the Bull um, is notable by this very prevalent V shape of stars in the sky. Um, And that V shape itself is the Hyades. Um, So the crescent moon will be um, positioned kind of like above um, of that of that star cluster, an open star cluster, as it were. Yeah. All right. Very cool. So that's the. You can use the moon to help you find the Hyades. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the Pleiades to the mm-hmm. uh, to the west of that. Yeah. Yep, Seven Sisters. All right. So that's what's happening after sunset. What's happening before sunrise? Planets, planets, planets. Planets galore. <laughs> but <laughs> God damn it, Mike. You cough. Was that, that a cough? A, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, sure. For those of you just joining, anytime someone coughs, take a drink because that's the world we live in now. Because the alcohol <laughs> kills the germs in your throat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it works. Sanitizes. It sanitizes all the way down. All right. So in the morning, um, hopefully you will not see any zombies as you go out and look for some planets: um, uh, Mercury, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars in a particular order. But um, really, you're only going to see three of them: um, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars. Yeah, Mercury's hard spot. Yeah. So um, yeah. So go out tonight. Mm-hmm. Or in the morning, I should say, right before sun rises, uh, the sun rises, and you will have, um, I believe it is um, Saturn, Mars, and Jupiter. I believe that is the order in which they are in. Um, and if you're watching on Twitch, you can see them um, circled there in the lower left in the uh, southeastern part of the sky. If you are listening to us on the podcast, you can check out the website where we actually have these pictures up. Um, for you to see where they are. But um, it is Saturn, 
Uh, actually, I think, it, no, it is, I'm sorry, it is Mars that is um, highest in the sky. That is lowest in the sky. This is set for April 4th. But oh, we okay. can't agree it's so in the sky. Mars, <laughs> yes. but it is in the sky. So it is Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter. Um, all kind of clustered together right over there um, in the eastern part of the sky. Right before sunrise. And then I also, I also want to point out that um, as you're looking for these planets, um, at dawn, at the third day, you're going to want to look to the east. God damn it. <laughs> all right, everybody has the- a drink. Everybody has a drink as we look to the east and we see Gandalf coming down on the hill uh, with the sun right behind him. I am so excited one day to give another planetarium show and just mention Blood that somewhere somehow. Night. <laughs> so we, we've talked about uh, Bootes. 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 Like big booties in a cannot lie. <laughs> Other brothers can't deny. Oh. When a constellation walks in with a, I don't know. We are going to uh, round up the show, ending with uh, the constellation story of Boaties the Bear Herder. Yeah, and um, we're gonna tell, we're gonna talk about two of them, the two the Greeks, and then because, we're gonna look at the Chinese. Yeah, because different cultures saw so they saw, see different they things, see different motherfuckers, things or told different stories, you know, and you know, you know, the Greeks aren't the only ones that fucking made shit up in there, so. Right, but even the Greeks couldn't fucking decide no. what the goddamn story well, to was. To be fair, yeah, it wasn't one nation; stories. it was a collection of city-states with their own identities. That's so true. this would make sense. Yes. <laughs> they should have been prepared to be unified in the future and come up with uh, one. This story. is true. You always got to look ahead two thousand years. You have to. You want, look ahead. you want the Athenians and the Spartans to get along? So someone has to get along in this crazy world. Wow. All right. So in one story of Bootes, um, he um, he is uh, Philomelus, son of uh, Demeter, and he invented the plow, um, oh. which is um, seen as the Big Dipper. And so to honor that inventing of the plow and being able to. I mean, that's, Plow pretty, your fields. that's a pretty good invention for agriculture. It is yeah. a really good invention. Right there. Pull that shit with some ox. You're golden. I know, right? And so he's actually also known as the ox herder. Oh, hey. Um, and so they put him up in the sky to honor that. But we also have another story, Ooh. which is completely fucking different. Um, has nothing Ooh. to do with plows. Oh, okay. At all. Um, and this one goes back all the way to the time of Aristophanes. Yeah, my boy. Um, and the con... <laughs> And the constellation represents uh, Arcus, um, the son of Zeus and Callisto, who you may have heard is a bear, um, foreshadowing. All right, so um, uh, who is the daughter of King Lycion? Lycion. Lycion. <laughs> yeah, Lycion? I don't know, but don't anyway, know. Um, and he was the uh, the king of Arcadia. Ooh. Uh, a suburb of Phoenix, but anyway, so um, yeah, so Callisto is the daughter of King Lycanian, Lycaon, Lycaon, whatever. Okay. Um, so Zeus comes over one day, knocks on the door. This happens by. <laughs> yeah, this happens by, and um, he came over because he wanted to have dinner with Callisto's dad, and so um, so. Yeah, you know, the usual thing. Okay. It's the usual thing. That, yeah, uh, just God showed up for dinner. Yeah. You know, un- unannounced. <laughs> but uh, but Lycaon was like, hey, you know what? I don't know if you're really Zeus. I don't, I don't believe this shit. So I'm going to test you. Ooh. Yeah, so the test was, let's take uh, Arcus, chop him up, and make him part of dinner. So uh, he chopped up his own grandson? Chopped up his own grandson. Which, you know, grandparents sure. are tend to do. Yep, totally normal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Give you money so. for your birthday, chop you up for god dinners. Yep, so just chopped up that Arcus, and, and Zeus sits down. He's ready to have this nice dinner that is befit of a god. And out comes the platter, and placed in front of him, and um, there's the meat. And Zeus recognizes it immediately. Because that's Arcus. Because he's eaten so many people. And, yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? 
what the fuck, motherfucker? That's what he said. It's actually verbatim. It's a direct quote. <laughs> From Aristophanes. Um, yeah, direct quote. So um, he's a little upset. He he kind of just tips over the table because he's angry. Kind of just, just tips it yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Just a light uh-huh. he, he kills the son of the dad. So the dad has some sons, and they're all dead now. He killed oh. them with a thunderbolt. <laughs> um, and... Turns the uh, turns the, the king of Arcadia into a wolf because you know turn him into a wolf, not not <sighs> like a roach. Of, that's kind of a cool thing to be turned into. I mean, well, uh, yeah, but but he just chopped up your son. Why turn him into something cool? Turn I him know, into a right? roach. Like a wolf would be like the whatever. best animorph he can be. So, right. Yeah, well, anyway, so Zeus collects up all these little pieces, parts of Arcus, because he didn't actually eat it, but he, uh, he did tip over the table, so Arcus went everywhere. <laughs> um, but an arm over here. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, so he did manage to uh, um, to get them and to make them whole again. I mean, he's the king of the gods. He's he king can of the gods, so he can, do, he can do what the, what the fuck he wants. Yeah, so, and he does. In the meantime, Callisto... Uh-huh. Uh, doesn't know any of this shit's going on. No. <laughs> she doesn't know? She's not at the dinner? <laughs> no, she's not. Of course, women aren't invited back then. No. So, she gets turned into a bear. So, so Hera, Hera knew about um, Zeus and Callista. Was not happy at fucking all. Yeah. Not happy at all. Jealous. She's a very jealous lady. Yeah. And so, um, so she turned her into a bear. But there is a little bit of disagreement. Oh that. yes, there's multiple stories regarding. Yeah, this, so yeah. it it could be it could be that uh, that Hera um, turned Callisto into a bear, um, or Artemis did it to punish Callisto for losing her virginity. Yes, because Artemis is very against um, sex. Yeah, well, sex with happens. men, <laughs> at least. <laughs> I think it's sex in general. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so uh, um, all right, so. We're going to fast forward a few years. Okay. Argus grows up a little bit and he goes out out into the field. He's um he's hunting and he sees this bear. Oh shit. Oh shit, yep. This is very Shakespearean. He sees this bear. I would be bear. scared to death if I saw a bear in real life. Uh No. But Cali- but that bear is Callisto and Callisto's really happy because she's seeing her son. Arcus and she's really excited and she got starts making like bear noises. Aww, <laughs> she forgets she was a bear. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to say actual bear noise. Everyone. I think that was Mike's yeah, sexy so. voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Apparently it is the call for all dogs. <laughs> <laughs> all the dogs have joined. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so Callisto's making her noises, um, and, and she's just trying to say hello. It's like, hey, hey, you're my son. I love you. I love you. You know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, for those that are on Twitch, you, you can see Leia there. Um, but anyway, Arcus doesn't quite understand that bear language. <laughs> um, and so... He was not living the. He wasn't feeling. No, he the, was thinking. He was like, "Oh shit, a bear is running at me." Yeah. So, um, so what he does is he decides to chase the bear. Yeah, yeah. And so the okay. bear, instead of interpreting it as, "Hey, he's gonna come give me a hug," she correctly interpreted it as, "He's gonna kill me, so I oh, need to run." Okay. So what what uh, Callisto did was. Um, um, Callisto fled into the Temple of Zeus, which is not what you're supposed to do because anybody who f- um, goes into the Temple of Zeus, trespassers, you die. You die. But Zeus couldn't have that. How do you know if she's a trespasser? Uh, I would just let a bear in. I mean, she she uh, fucked Zeus, so clearly she should be allowed in. I know. And so Zeus realizing that, that he fucked Callisto and that he... <laughs> Realizing that he fucked. Oh, I fucked her. That's right. She's one of my many conquests. Yes, and and we made we made Arcus. He put them up into the sky. He snatched them up. Snatched them. Snatched them. He snatched them up. 
and they placed them into the sky where we can see them. You sure he didn't grab them by the tail? (laughs) Because instead of instead of calling them Arcus, we're gonna call them Bootes. And so Arcus is represented as Bootes Uh and on Callisto, well, Callisto's a big bear. Are you gonna say what the alternative is for Arcus? Is What's the, what's the the alternative? The other story is that Arcus is the little bear or the little dipper. Oh yes, yes, yes. And Zeus, he didn't snatch; he grabbed them by their their short little stubby normal bear tails, swung them around, stretching their tails out, and threw them up into the sky. And therefore, where they pop, you have the big and little bears chasing after each other with their really long tails that are not anatomically correct. No, no, but that's more of the like uh, Artemis. Apollo story. Okay, okay. So in this story, it's Arcus is now Bootes, the bear herder, herding his mother around the it sky is, for so all eternity. It's so weird. It's so I mean, weird. are the all of the Greek mythologies are weird? I mean, well, they were real fucked up. Well, it's like we have so many stories there. Like, I mean, we we just told three stories. Yeah, um, there was a lot happening. Uh, Philomelus, who, the son of De- uh, Demeter, who invented a plow, gets put up there for inventing the plow. <laughs> We have this story from Aristophanes um, of Callisto running uh, from Arcus. But then we, yeah, Look, it's so fucked up. I would recommend to anybody who has Amazon Prime to, uh, if you have the app for, uh, yes, Brandon knows what we're talking about, uh, for whatever, streaming, your TV, Xbox, whatever. Uh, Amazon Prime, Greek Mythologies, this show, it is... <laughs> It, it, it does not skimp. It goes into the details of various Greek myths, um, and they're fucked up, and it's great. It is definitely have a drink or whatever else that's legal um, and watch it because it's a good time. And everybody apparently in Greece was naked. Always Ev- naked. Uh, no, I'm sorry, but women apparently all our, our tits are out all the time. One, at least, only one. At least according to medieval Renaissance paintings of Greek mythology. It's only one. And it's <laughs> it's always usually one. It's usually it's the, like the left one or something. I'm, I'm yeah, sure that means something on the left side. I mean, I'm left-handed, but I don't know. Because you're a witch. <laughs> All right. Now, the Greeks aren't the only ones. <laughs> like that, I'm just going to ignore what I just said. The Greeks aren't the only one that imagines shit up there. So let's talk about a different culture that saw some shit up there uh, in regards to Bootes, Mike. The Chinese. Oh, the Chinese. Yeah, we're going to go to China. Um, and this really is really kind of the star, um, Arcturus, uh, the, the fourth brightest star in the sky that, uh, that I would like to remind you. Um, it is the brightest star in Bootes, and in uh, China it is known as Daijiao. Look, we're not going to pronounce things correctly. No. Um, in any other culture besides our own, and even our own. So bear with us. Right, which means um, uh, great horn, um, since it, it marks the horn of the blue dragon. Ooh. Oh, see, and, dragons are Chinese. And if you recall back in our constellation episode, we had talked about, what was it, like kingdoms of the sky? I, I forget how they segmented their constellations. But there's some kind of kingdom, so they always like this is the blue dragon, this is the red dragon kingdom. So that makes sense with the okay. blue dragon there, yeah. right? Um, and it symbolizes the throne of the celestial king Tian Wang. Hey, which the middle schooler in my brain makes me want to laugh mean, at that. I <laughs> um, mean, anyway, so um, he's visualized as holding court uh, in that area. Okay, so this little sky. segment of the sky, it's his. It's his. It's okay, his. Cool. Um, and. So the star status comes about um, not only because it is the brightest uh, in the northern half of the sky, mm-hmm. um, which which I actually did not know. Yeah, um, I didn't realize it, it was the fourth brightest star in the night sky. So you would think, but uh, I mean, Alpha Centauri being one, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, but it's more it in also, the southern hemisphere, though. Alpha Centauri. Yes, yeah, in the southern. Yeah. But anyway, um, but also because it lies in the first. Lunar Mansion, Jiao. That's what it was. Lunar Mansion, not Kingdom. Yeah. That sounds fun. I like that Lunar yeah. Mansion. Yeah, where uh, that's where the full moon um, appears um, each spring, marking the start of uh, of the of the year. Which is which is okay. So Chinese New Year is in February, um, 
And and so this is oh, a yeah. perfect example of how different cultures use the sky to tell time and mark their seasons and know when shit needs to be done, like harvests and all that. So cool. Yeah. So, but also, uh, also you can use the uh, the Big Dipper um, or Baidao in in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so um, the Big Dipper. Um, it's used as a um, seasonal clock. Um, in the I sky. can see that because yep. the the Big Dipper is in the northern hemisphere. It is a um, it is one of the circumpolar, uh, well, Big Dipper asterism, the Big Bear circumpolar constellation. So in the northern hemisphere, you can see it all year long in the evening sky, rather yeah. than just in certain seasons. So Dijal became associated with uh, seasons and um, kind of a. Uh, a symbol of cosmic harmony. Oh, yep, that's nice. So, um, so that's basically it. So, uh, Boetes, multiple interpretations from the Greeks, as with all constellations. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Chinese definitely sticking with one story. I like yeah. see Chinese like Germans, efficient to the point, just no bullshit. Yeah. So go out, look at the night sky. And um, go out in the in the evening, um, and and I will tell you what what I told um, all the little kids that um, that that uh, came to our plantation show. Go out, make up your own constellations, make up your own stories. Go with those constellations. Um, you can't do any worse than the Greeks did because let's just be honest, none of their constellations look like shit. There's only a couple that do. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine whatever you want to. It's like clouds. When you look at clouds and you see different shit, you know, you go outside, lay down on the on the ground, look up, and just imagine your own shit out there. Right, but look, uh, but also go out and look at in the early morning. Well, in the evening, look at Venus. In the early morning, look at um, Saturn and Mars and Jupiter. Become connected with the universe. Don't. Hey, I, I I realize that it's easy to turn the Xbox on or PlayStation or whatever you got, um, and dial into uh, Netflix and shit like that. But there's a much larger universe that we're connected to, um, and so well, we're in go it. out and enjoy it. We're in it. Experience it. Yeah, we're in space right now. We're in space, people. Um, enjoy the universe, be part, become part of the universe, and join us apparently every week now. Uh-huh. Assimilate. Um, as Resistance is futile. So um, we'll see everybody um, next time. So cheers. Yeah. Stay, Bye. Uh, stay safe. You. Stay healthy. Bye. Yes. Do this. Um, Wash your hands for 20 seconds. Do the Star Trek Next Generation uh, theme. Uh, you know, space, the final frontier that will get you through the whole hand washing. Cheers. Don't touch your face.